Welcome everyone to the Grinded Podcast. Nipsey Hussle is going to bring us in just a little bit with Grinding All My Life. All my life, been grinding all my life. Sacrifice, hustle paid the price. Want a slice, got the roll of dice, that's why. All my life, I've been grinding all my life. Look. It's time to hit this rail we call life and grind it. We finished John chapter 5 with Jesus explaining to the religious leaders that he is who he says he is. And in John chapter 6, John starts off like this. He says, after this. Well, after this is just two words, but it means a whole lot. Because John chapter 5, there's a lot of stuff in there. Uh, we talked about the paralyzed man being healed at the pool of Bethesda. And, and Jesus has this lengthy conversation with the religious leaders trying to explain that he is from God. And that he is the Son of God. And that he is the Messiah that they've been looking for. And so John just says, after this. Well, after all that, all that that happened in John chapter 5, Jesus travels to the far side of the Sea of Galilee. And this is a pretty long trip. Uh, the Bible doesn't give any de details about this trip except that he went to the far side. And it also mentions the Sea of Galilee is also called the Sea of Tiberias. However, we can see what took place as Jesus traveled through the cities and the villages from verse 2. Verse 2 says, A huge crowd kept following him wherever he went because they saw his miraculous signs as he healed the sick. Evidently, Jesus was working miracles as he traveled from town to town and through village to village. And a crowd gathered, and they followed. I mean, just think about it. They've never seen anything like this before in their life. This guy's doing all these miraculous things, and they're just in awe, and they can't get enough. And so, you know, they didn't have movie theaters and the entertainment that we have, so they're following Jesus to watch this entertainment, if you will. Can you imagine how it would have been if Jesus would have had social media back in his day? It would have been crazy. Now, the reason I'm making a big ordeal about this crowd is because they are the focal point of this chapter, and I want you to visualize yourself walking with Jesus as he travels from city to city, working these miracles, healing the sick, healing the lame, opening blind eyes, and etc. And, he, and he's sharing stories of hope. Can you see that? Then Jesus, along with his disciples and the crowd, they come to a mountainside. You see the mountainside? And Jesus is going to sit down. And there is a very important verse thrown in here. And that's verse 4. Verse 4 says, It was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration. Keep that in mind. It was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration. And you'll see why I say that here near the end of the chapter when Jesus is addressing this huge crowd that's gathered. Because it gets really big. But verse 10 gives us an idea just how huge this crowd was. Jesus says, tell everyone to sit down. And so they all sat down on the grassy slopes. And the Bible says, the men alone, just the men alone, numbered about 5,000. And we call this the feeding of the 5,000. But there was more than likely 10, at least 10,000 people there this day because this is men only, this count is. It does not include women and children. Now think about this. If there is one woman and one child for just half the number of men, that would give you 10,000 people sitting on these grassy slopes with all their eyes fixed on Jesus to see what he's going to do next and what he's going to say next. All the while, his disciples are they're sitting around him, and they're hanging out with him, 
And Jesus turns to one of them, Philip, and he asks Philip this question. He says, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? Now, Philip, he was the one who went and found his friend Nathaniel and brought Jesus to him. Do you remember what Nathaniel said? Nathaniel said, can anything good come from Nazareth? Well, do you think by now Nathaniel's changed his mind? Because he's seen all these great things that Jesus is doing. He's hearing all these teachings that Jesus is doing with authority. Yeah, there's some there's some good that comes from Nazareth. His name is Jesus. He's the Messiah. And you've been chosen to be one of the disciples. And so Jesus turns to Philip and he asks Philip, he says, Where can we buy bread to feed all of these people? We're talking ten thousand people here, not five thousand. That's just the men only. But verse six says, Jesus was testing Philip because he already knew what he was going to do. Now get this. This isn't someone from the crowd that has been in awe of Jesus' miracles. This isn't somebody from the crowd that has followed Jesus from village to village, from town to town, just to see a spectacle, just just to, to be entertained. No, this is a guy, like I said a while ago, who was chosen by Jesus himself to be a disciple, to pour himself into for three years. This is a man who saw water turn into wine, who hears the discourse with Nicodemus and, and the Samaritan woman, who hears the proclamation of John the Baptist, that Jesus is the Lamb of God, that Jesus is the Messiah that they've been looking for. And he saw the healing of the paralyzed man at the pool of Bethesda. And he has seen all these miracles that has taken place for when they left that area to the far side of the Sea of Galilee. Now, one would think that this guy would come up with a clever answer like, well, you know, you are God in the flesh, Jesus, and you, you, you are the miracle worker, so you can easily feed everyone. But that's not at all what Philip says. When Jesus asked Philip, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? Philip is just like us. He's thinking carnally. He's not thinking spiritually. He's only thinking about what he sees before his very eyes. And remember, there's around 10,000 people here, and there's no food. In verse 7, Philip replies, Even if we worked for months, Jesus, we wouldn't have enough money to feed all these people. There's no way. No way. And so he's, he's telling this to a man that has caused fish to have coins in his mouth to go pay taxes. At least he could have come up with something better than that, you know. He could have said, we can pass the offering plate around. You know, we got the Kentucky Fried Chicken bucket over here. We can pass that around to take up a collection and run to town and buy some bread. But nope. He didn't even have enough faith to do that. And evidently, he wasn't sold on Jesus just yet. You know, it really amazes me that these guys traveled around with Jesus and they hung out with him on a daily basis for three years and they never got it. They never really understood. Even in Acts chapter 1, after the resurrection, they're still asking Jesus questions about the kingdom and the power being reestablished to their kingdom. And Jesus basically says, wait here in Jerusalem and the, and the comforter will come, the Holy Spirit. And it's not until they were filled with the power of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2 that they finally got it. And you know, for me to sit on this microphone, it's, it's easy to rip these guys because they had, they had Jesus right in their face. 
They heard his teaching. They saw the miracles that he did. But, you know, we, we have the finished product. We have the Bible. So we can look back and we can read their stories. But in reality, if you think about it, we aren't any different. You see, 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. The word inspired means God breathed. Even though we don't have Jesus standing before us today like they did back then, and they still didn't believe, and they still had trouble with it, Even though we don't have Jesus standing before us today, we do have the very words of God. God breathed these words and men penned them. God gave us a love letter for every single person, including you and me. And yet people continue to reject Him today. People continue to not believe in Him. They do everything that they can to dispute His word. And in the past 20 years, we have taken him out of everything that we possibly can. Which is why we're seeing the effects of our country right now. But even though Philip has seen Jesus work miracles firsthand, he didn't get it. Let me ask you a question. Do you get it? Do you get Jesus? Do you take him at his word? Philip is about to have his mind blown here. One of the other disciples that came on board with about the same time that Philip did is Andrew, Peter's brother. This is about the only time that we hear anything from Andrew, and he's even thinking carnally himself. The Bible says that Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Verse 9, there's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. But what good is that with this huge crowd? I mean, there's over 10,000 people here. How's two fish and five loaves of, you know, small loaves of bread going to feed all of these people? And I get where he's coming from. There's so many people. And all they can do is come up with a Lunchable. I mean, think about it. Two fish and five loaves of bread. That might feed one person. Maybe. And they'd probably still be hungry after eating that. But this is going to be a game changer. And these disciples, along with the crowd, is about to have their minds blown. Because Jesus takes the five loaves of bread and he prays. And he tells his disciples to pass them out to the crowd. Now, imagine being one of those disciples and you see Jesus praying over the bread and then he he takes the bread and says, here, pass this out. What are you going to be thinking? Seriously. How is this going to feed all these people? But a while ago I said, imagine yourself being with Jesus and, and being in this crowd and seeing Jesus do these miracles and seeing Jesus sit on this mountainside and seeing him surrounded by his disciples, wondering what he's going to do next. And you're seeing him pray over the bread, and you see him give this bread to his disciples. And then his disciples start to pass it out. And not only did they pass it out, but they give it to every person. Remember, there's at least 10,000 people here. And he does the same thing with the fish. He prays over the fish and says, pass it out. How is this going to feed all these people? Well, by the time they're passing out the fish, they've already passed out the bread, so they know there's going to be enough fish, just like there was enough bread. But, but get this. Not only did they pass out the fish and the bread for the people to eat 
it, 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 this was a main course meal. Because verse 11, the second part of verse 11 says, and they all, that's all, every person sitting on that grassy hillside, around 10,000-ish, they all ate as much as they wanted. You see, they didn't get a little skimpy happy meal. No, they ate as much as they wanted until they were full. And not only that, but Jesus sent his disciples to gather up the leftovers. And guess how many baskets were full? Twelve. One for each disciple. Let's take a break. I twanked my knee. Both knees are twanked. And so Jesus feeds these 10,000 people, and the reason why I say around 10,000 people is because 5,000, as we call it the feeding of the 5,000, 5,000 was just the men. And if you take uh, one woman for just half the men there, that's 7,500. And if there's one kid, that's another 2,500, which is around 10,000 people. And this, this huge crowd that has been following Jesus has ate so much fish and so much bread till they're full. I'm telling you, they had their minds blown, and and the disciples also had their minds blown because they they were in denial. There's no way that we can feed all these people. We can't come up with enough money. It takes months to come up with enough money to buy bread to feed all these people, and Jesus does it in a matter of seconds. There's no food here. Wait, here's a boy that's got a lunchable. He's got two fish and, and five pieces of bread, but that's not enough to feed all these people. Jesus says, let me have it. Watch this. And he prays. God blesses it. He passes it. The, the disciples pass it out. And they get 12 uh, basketfuls of extras. One for each disciple. Now, the next verse 14 is a very crucial verse. Because verse 14 says that when the people saw Jesus do this miraculous sign, they exclaimed, Surely, now get this. Listen to the crowd here. Surely, he is the prophet we have been expecting. That sounds great, doesn't it? Surely this is the prophet. Somebody's been reading their Bible somewhere. They've been reading their Old Testament scriptures. They've been listening to the preacher in the synagogues or whatever. But for that, somehow they knew that the prophet was coming. They knew that a Messiah was coming because they were expecting him. And they say with their mouth, Surely this is the prophet we've been expecting. And verse 15 says, when Jesus saw that they were ready to force him to be their king, he slipped away into the hills by himself. The crowd was ready to believe in Jesus in so much that they wanted to make him an earthly king, which wasn't God's plan at all. So Jesus booked it out of there. But keep these things in mind. Number one. This crowd had gathered because they saw the healing and the miraculous works that Jesus had done as he traveled from Jerusalem to the Sea of Galilee. Number two, they ate until they were full. Number three, because of this event, Jesus feeding them with the two fish and the five loaves of bread, they make this proclamation that Jesus is the prophet that they've been looking for. And the fourth thing to remember, they wanted to make him a king, an earthly king. John doesn't say where Jesus went, but he left his disciples alone to deal with the crowd and while he went and he hid someplace alone until dark. And we'll come back to the crowd in just a minute because something's going to happen here in this chapter and it's really cool. It's kind of like a story break. And then John comes back to the crowd and focuses back on the crowd. 
The disciples head back to the boat and they're waiting for Jesus. The problem is Jesus never shows up and it gets dark. And so they get in the boat and they start rowing headed for Capernaum. Why Capernaum? I have no idea. But that's where they were headed. This will be around a six mile journey. And they're, they're, you know, these guys are fishermen. Most Some of them are. And so they're experienced with a boat. And so it shouldn't be no big deal, right? Just go on down to Capernaum and meet Jesus. Well, there was a problem. While they were out there rowing, they got about halfway, about three miles out in, in, into the sea, and a strong wind sweeps down upon them, and, and the water gets really rough. And so they're out there rowing for their lives in this storm, and, the, and they're fighting these strong waves, and all of a sudden, they see somebody walking on the water. Are you kidding me? They see a person walking on the water. It's Jesus. It's Jesus walking on the water. And he's walking toward their boat. And see, here's what pops in my head when I'm reading John chapter 6. And and I'm reading about Jesus walking on the water. I, I, I see waves. I see strong waves. I see these guys rowing in this boat and they're struggling against these waves and they're trying to to make it to Capernaum and all of a sudden they see Jesus walking on the water they were terrified because they didn't really realize it was Jesus at first but here's my question you know the waves go up and the waves come down you know they'll they they'll raise you up if you've ever been out in the ocean you know what I'm talking about these these you know if you play out in the water and these big strong waves come in they'll lift you up and they'll toss you forward and then they'll drop you as they pass by well my question is was Jesus going up and down as he walked on this water was he just walking on the wave and he'd go up when the wave came and down as the wave passed but that's, that's the way my brain works when I'm when I'm reading the Bible it's I don't know I'm, I'm messed up I guess I'm weird so anyway John says the disciples were terrified, but Jesus calls out to them, don't be afraid. And, and that's one of, one of the things that Jesus says often. Or matter of fact, that's one of the things God says often. All through the Old Testament, angels and everything, it's one of their main messages. When they first arrive, it's don't be afraid. But Jesus calls out to them and he says, don't be afraid, I am here. Then they were eager to let him on the boat. And this tells me that they saw Jesus. They didn't recognize Jesus. Maybe because it was dark and there was a storm. They were afraid, but they weren't about to let this thing, whatever it was, whoever it was, get on that boat until Jesus called out to them and says, hey, it's me, and they allow him on the boat. Listen to this. Life is full of storms, full of storms, bad storms, and it gets really rough. But listen to the voice of our Savior. He will He is, he has shown up, and he says, don't be afraid. I am here. It may not seem like it sometimes, but rest assured, Jesus is here. He is with us. He is with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. That's what he promises. And watch what happened when Jesus got on the boat. This is the coolest thing ever. In verse 21, It says they were eager to let him in the boat, and immediately 
they arrived at their destination. Now remember, they were about three miles out in the sea, and they still had another three to four miles to go when Jesus comes up walking on the water. And as soon and they've been rowing for no telling how long, fighting these these uh, waves, and the storm is still going on when Jesus shows up on the boat, and John says immediately they arrived three or four miles down the sea to Capernaum. In the blink of an eye, they traveled roughly three miles. In the blink of an eye. You know, we can hold on to the oars of our boat as long as we want. And all we're going to do is struggle. We're going to wear ourselves out until we eventually give up. Or we want to give up. Why not let Jesus take over? You know, just like Carrie Underwood said, let Jesus take the wheel. Jesus take the wheel. No storm is too powerful for him to handle. Give it to him. Whatever you're going through in your life, give it to him. You know, and I've been through a lot of stuff in my life. And it's hard to hear. Let's be honest. It's hard when people come up to us and they say, just give it to God. Just give it to God. I want to slap them. I, want, I mean, I just want to knock them out and say, you don't even have any idea what I'm going through. And you don't, you don't even know what you're saying. But listen to me. I've been through a lot. And if you've listened to the past podcast, you know what I've, some of the things that I've been through. And you've heard other people's testimonies of what they've been through. And one of the things that you hear them say over and over and over again in their testimonies is how God helped them through the storm. We, if we try to row the boat, we're going to row for a long time and wear ourselves out and not ever get to our destination. But if we give it to Jesus, if we can just do that, you'll be filled with so much peace and He will have control and you will have rest, I promise you, and He will be with you. That thing that you're trying to control that thing that keeps you awake at night, that thing that drives you absolutely nuts, that thing that gives you ulcers and makes your stomach hurt and makes your body ache, let go of it, man. Let go of it, woman, and give it to Jesus. You will have peace like none other. And so John's going to turn his attention back to the crowd now. And that was like a little break in the story. <clears throat> and they realize the disciples have taken the only boat, this crowd does, they, they realize that the disciples had taken the only boat and somehow, don't know how, the Bible doesn't say, but they knew that Jesus didn't go with the disciples. And some, some commerce boats show up and they, they get on these boats and they head to Capernaum to look for Jesus. How, how did they know he was in Capernaum? I have no idea. John doesn't say. But they just said they go to Capernaum to look for Jesus. And sure enough, they find him. No problem. And of all the questions to ask Jesus, they ask him this. When did you get here? In other words, look, bro. We want to make you a king because you can do some really cool stuff. And you're entertaining. And we want to get out of this Roman oppression. So don't leave us again without telling us. Why do you want to run off with to begin with? We're trying to make you king here. And Jesus says them straight in verse 26 and 27 when he says, I'll tell you the truth. 
You want to be with me because I fed you. You like that fish. You like that bread. It's probably the best you ever had. And you got very full. Not because you understood the miraculous signs. Because they didn't understand. We'll see that here in a few minutes. But don't be so concerned, Jesus says, about the perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. For God the Father has given me the seal of his approval. Do you remember that, uh, the group called Ace of Base? You know, they, they, they had that song. I guess is what made them popular. They had that song, I saw the sign. You know that song? It opened up my eyes. I saw the sign. Jesus says, you saw the sign. He, said, he tells the crowd, you saw the miraculous, but you didn't understand it. You're following me because of that fish that you liked and that bread that you ate. It was so delicious. Instead of spending your energy seeking these, these things that are perishable like food because you're going to get hungry again, you need to be spending energy on eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. Before we go in this podcast, let me ask you this. What do you spend your energy on? What do you spend your time on? What keeps your attention? Does God fit in there anywhere? How much time do you give to God? To Jesus? To the Bible? To reading His Word? To studying it and praying? And not only reading His Word and, and studying it and praying, what about in service to God? What do you do for the kingdom? Are you producing fruit? If not, why not? Don't spend your time on seeking perishable things, but spend your time and energy on the things that are going to give eternal life. And Jesus says the Son of Man can give that to you. So if you want eternal life, that means you've got to spend time with Jesus. How much time do you spend with Jesus? God bless you. We'll see you next podcast. Thank you for listening to the Grind It Podcast today. You can send any questions or comments to grinditpodcast at gmail.com. Please join us next time. And when a challenge comes your way, just grind it. Been grinding all my life. Sacrifice. Hustle paid the price. Want a slice. Got to roll the dice. That's why. All my life. I've been grinding all my life. Look. All my life.